Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> you got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I got to ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African-Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Transformation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and today's episode is brought to you by the folks at the Creative Running Collection, an eclectic ensemble of artists from all walks of life and disciplines. I mean, we're talking established to wannabe writers, actors, directors, artists, bloggers, vloggers, videographers, podcasters, journalists, producers, and editors who are passionate about creating content for running and entertainment purposes. Still, but more importantly, they inspire people to pursue a healthy lifestyle by helping them identify their purpose, maximize their potential accelerate their growth and continuing the cycle. In other words, they help people IMAC their life. So, if you've got some hidden talent and you're looking for a safe place to express, own, and display your talent, shoot them an email at the Behind the Wheel Morning Show at gmail.com. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner or know of an entrepreneur or small business owner looking to advertise in the Behind the Wheel podcast but weren't certain as to whether or not there was a possibility, we have eliminated all the guesswork. It certainly is a reality. Who's this we you're talking about? You know it's just you. I'm not going to go with we. We now have... We going with we? I think we're going to go with we. Let's try. We now have the ability for you to sponsor an episode. How cool is that? Your ad can run pre, mid, or post roll. Simply visit coffee.com forward slash BTW podcast. The details will be in the show notes. That's KO hyphen FI.com forward slash BTW podcast. And one of the cool things about coffee.com is it allows supporters of the show to buy me a cup of coffee. You all know I like coffee. So. Shout out to Latoya Shantae, Soul Inspired, Kimberly Hall, and Kim Isaiah. That's why I'm all hyped up. On this um, I can't complain. I got to turn the AC off so it won't mess up the uh, so it won't mess up the uh, the recording. And we'll hear this hum in the background. Oh, it's like is, is there something I need to know about about air conditioning and and Zoom? no, it's like <laughs> the fan is. The um, the window is right there, and the microphone is here. So the wind blowing, I mean the AC on oh, blowing, yeah. it, it will be this hum in the background. It wouldn't make for a a good listening experience. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you on finally, man. How are you feeling today? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. It's, it's been a, a a lazy day. I'm still going to try to get in a run um, once the heat subsides and the rain passes, but um, things are good. Things okay. Good. I haven't. I haven't got. I went outside briefly, um, just to kind of rinse the uh, rinse the car off. Uh, park underneath. There's this tree, and these birds just kind of hang out. They started out hanging out in the AC, 
I'm like, okay, fine. You know, the chirping in the morning, it's a nice sound to wake up to. No problem. But now it's like a whole family in a community in the tree. And every morning they just, they go to town. And I get out and I'm like, I've never killed a bird before. I, I'm tempted to buy a weapon, a BB gun or something. I don't know. Maybe there's something I can put in the tree to deter them. Maybe an owl or something to scare them. Or, or maybe just find a, a new parking spot. No, that's my spot, man. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Under the shade, right? I can. Under the shade. Under the shade. Yeah. Oh, um, man. So you're originally from uh, Tennessee? No, I'm from Wisconsin. I think um, since since I've known you in the run community, I was I was in Tennessee then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Wisconsin born and bred. And uh, when I started running with with Black Men Run and then doing endurance running, I was I was living in in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, now in in Auburn. But originally from okay, originally from Wisconsin. Now living in in Tennessee, and you picked up the biking. Like, is that, is that something recent or is that, um, so, so picking it up seriously is something recent, but I've had, I've had my bike since 2011. So I okay. was in Hanover, New Hampshire, um, doing some doctoral work at Dartmouth and wasn't running, um, but I needed to do something to get active. So I went and bought a bike. I thought it was going to be cheap. I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend like $500. You know, I'm going to really go, you know, um, you know, go, go big on it. And then I got into the bike shop and they were like, you know, so where are you looking at? I'm like, where are your, um, your entry level bikes or, or something? They said right here. And it was like 2000, $3,000. <laughs> I was like, where are the more affordable bikes? And the, the guy at the shop was like, well, what are you trying to spend? I said about 500. He said, Oh, you're not going to get anything in this, in this shop. You can buy your helmet. <laughs> and, and go on your way and be safe yeah. yeah so i've had the bike since 2011 and um Ezel and i the partner we would um over the last eight years i probably have rode it um once a year up until march of this year and then in march something clicked Mm-hmm. And, I've been, and now I'm addicted. You know, I've invested more money into it. Um, you got kits on and everything now. I'm like, yeah, it's serious. It's this serious. seems to be like a, a, a like a trend within the running community. People are venturing out and 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 getting on bikes. I'm not mad. You know, it's exciting to see. I'm like, yeah. wait a second, this guy's like, he looks like he's racing. He's official. He's got on a matching kit and gear. And everything. Well, I'm gonna I'm look good if I, you know, I might be out there slow. I don't, I don't. I don't know what, what official times are supposed to look like, but mm-hmm. you know, you look good, you feel good. At least that's a part of my my motto, right? Okay. Even oh man! Running, so. All right, so let's. You're, you're a coffee drinker? Um, f- cold coffee, cold frozen. So not okay. not usually, frozen. You know, like the frappuccinos and all that. Okay, I got you. I got you. D and D or five books? Wait, say that again. Dunkin' Donuts or five books? Or Starbucks. <laughs> I was like, what is five bucks? Um, <laughs> Starbucks. But, you know, they've, they've been acting a little funky lately. Um, okay. It's just yeah. a part of a routine that I do as, as, as an icebreaker. So when I hit you with the question, I don't want it to be like a surprise. Um, you don't have to tell me the answer. Well, I'll act like I'm surprised anyhow. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll get started. Okay. Any, um, any questions? No, I'm just, you know, I'm excited. It's, it's been a minute. I remember we were at the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. I see. A few sure. years back, and and that's when we connected and talked about the idea of getting on here. So I'm I'm glad we're finally making it happen. Yeah. How do you pronounce 
salvific. Or did I butcher it? Oh no, you were you were close. So it's salvific. 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 Yeah. Okay. Salvation. Yeah. Leading okay. to salvation. Okay. Yes, indeed. And this new book. When is the new one coming out? Oh, you know, academic publishing takes takes a minute. So um, I'm looking at probably 2020, maybe 2022, but more than likely, if I if I a little bit more patient, 2023. I'm gonna let I'm gonna sit with Baldwin and enjoy the the fruits of this this most recent labor first. Okay, so we'll get into that. We'll get into your road to running. I'm gonna start yapping and and just set up uh, for you. All right. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley. And today we are graced with a special guest. He's originally from Wisconsin, now residing in Tennessee. He's a rider, recently picked up a road bike. Looks like a professional there with the kit on. <laughs> this gentleman's a author, Dr. Ernest Gibson. I am well. I'm well. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I am doing well. I, if I start sweating, it's because the AC is off. But I'm I'm doing well. Um, it's not if I, if I'm if I look like I'm perspiring. I'm not like nixing uh, under the spotlight, refusing to put on makeup. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you today, man. All right. Well, yeah. Stay hydrated. You know, get out your church fan or whatever you need to do to. I should have had a church. Just, I do have a fan. Yeah. That would still be blowing, right? <laughs> my right. Old, my old fashioned church fan. <laughs> so, for those folks who may not be familiar with you, Ernest, why don't you tell them a little about yourself, how you got started on this fabulous road to running? Yeah. So, so like you said, I'm, I'm originally from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, uh, running has been has always been a part of my life. I, you know, I was a competitive sprinter in high school, um, competitive sprinter in college, considered going professionally after college, um, multi-All-American in the 200, 400 meters. Um, and so running is, you know, I, I guess you can say a part of the DNA. You know, it's always mm-hmm. been, been, been as a part of my lifestyle. Um, when I went to graduate school, you know, right after undergrad, I kind of, um, I've stopped sprinting, obviously, focused in on, you know, becoming a, a PhD, becoming an academic, becoming a doctor. And near the end, I was like, you know, I really want to get back into running. But at that time, of course, I'm a little bit older. I'm nearing my 30s. Um, and so sprinting in, in your 30s is a, is a, is a larger task. Um, so I took a job right after graduate school down in Memphis, Tennessee at Rhodes College. Mm-hmm. And my first year there, I had a colleague who was like, hey, you know, you look like you run. Like there's this group, Black Men Run. I mean, it had just started, a chapter had just started in Memphis. You should consider like going out there. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Like running in fellowship with, with other Black men for health and wellness. So I went out there, man, and uh, Roland Woodson was the captain then. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, hey, new guy, come on over, you know. I was like, oh, you know, so so what are we doing? What are we talking about? He's like, oh, you know, we're going to keep it really light, you know, since we've got a couple of new guys, you know, we won't take it hard. We're just going to do a nice, easy three miles. And I looked like, um, get the hell out of here. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm censoring myself as I'm talking to you because I realize you're going to you're going to share this. And I like rich, um, rich language or profane language. So a, a different word almost came out. But mm-hmm. Um, I said, who the hell runs three miles for fun 
mm-hmm. and cause that light. So again, think, you know, keep in mind, I'm coming from a sprinting background. The most I've run at, at one time is a mile. Okay. And I lamented that. Um, and so very quickly, I learned that endurance running, that the world of 5Ks and half marathons was very different than than um, my, my 200 and 400 meter were, runs. Um, but I adjusted quickly. I stopped running on my toes because I used to run exclusively okay. on the toes, you know, as a sprinter. Um, and eventually fell in love mm-hmm. with, um, with the fellowship, but more specifically with the pavement. Um, what was and- it about it? Um, I think part of it is is unlike sprinting, where you're kind of confined to that one space on that track. And again, I love I loved sprinting. Um, when you're out there on the on the pavement, like you're you know running through neighborhoods, you're running through parks, and so I felt uh, a kind of greater sense of of freedom in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Wanderlust—that's one of my words, right? So there's you know the wanderluster in me was just taken with. You know, being able to, you know, put on my shoes and and leave the house and then just run for, you know, an hour or two mm. or three by the time, you know, we got up to marathon training. And so I just think that that sense of release, that sense of surrender um, really, really got me. Um, and then, of course, once I started doing the races, you know, walking up to the race and you got thousands of people. Mm-hmm. You know, like that excitement, that that jubilee. You know, the tire. Yeah, I see the bling behind you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we get all of our our um, half marathons framed at the end of every year, and so um, we got quite a bit. This is probably gonna mess up your video. No, yeah. no, no, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you got it. Framed. Yeah. Okay. So. Marathons. Is there something special that you do with marathons, or or they get a, a they're in a different room? No, so at least half marathon. So yeah, we have the marathons in okay. um, in the frame as well. Um, our first marathons we framed individually. So my first one was Green Bay, so it has its own frame, mm-hmm. and and then Ezel's was St. Jude down in Memphis, so it has its own frame um, as well. But yeah, um, just at least we don't frame our five Ks. Um, it's throw them in a drawer. Throw them in a drawer for now. <laughs> yeah, for now. <laughs> they, they, they're looking at the half marathon and, and marathon. We're like, what? what's wrong with us, man? You know, yeah. put us in a drawer with everyone else. Well, you know, the funny thing is because when I started running in Memphis, mm-hmm. like we ran 5Ks, you know, on training runs or group runs, but the goal was always to have marathon. So I've never actually kind of invested in 5k racing like i did um half marathon and 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 full and so i think that's really it but right now you know i'm starting to think like you know what you know i might want to switch it over so i can go a little faster in the 5ks Mm. yeah so now did you always know you wanted to be a doctor no no i didn't so um i grew up single parent household poor um in in milwaukee and so um you know, always a little smart, a little different. And so in, in those places, it was like, oh, if you're smart, you're black, you know, you can go and be a doctor, a medical doctor, mm-hmm. you know, or a lawyer or an engineer. And so I entered college thinking that um, I was going to go to law school ultimately. Um, but then in my junior year at Fisk um, University down in Nashville, Tennessee, um, I was introduced to the prospect of being a, a PhD. And mm-hmm. then, you know, 
just kind of pursued it. Yeah, and your your, your partner recently um, entered yeah. the, uh, the the ranks. Also, is that is that yeah? Correct? We have to we have to balance. I think you know he really wanted just to balance the household. I'm talking talking crazy now. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> No, you know, we're we're very different. So I'm a literary scholar. I'm a words guy. Um, he's mm-hmm. a mathematician. Um, and yeah, he just he just finished up his PhD at the University of Memphis. So we're happy to be on Congratulations. We'll yeah, drop some applause in here when we when we produce this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so the household is balanced now. Mm-hmm. We're ready. We're ready. That's so right. So this, you know, I, I get so much joy out of reading your your uh, your posts. You know, very thought provoking, very insightful. I'm like, this guy's a wordsmith. And then I said, where's the book? And then you drop the book on us. Yeah. So tell us about the book. So so oh, and look, look, you know, I didn't mm. know you're gonna have it. You know, so if you all don't know, yes. Oh yeah, but you're you're a master of technology. You probably will will drop something in in the video anyway. Um, so the book um, is a book on James Baldwin, mm-hmm. um, or looking at James Baldwin's novels. Um, at this point, you know, given all of the the anti black racism and all of the protests, I'm sure that most folks listening are going to know who James Baldwin is. He's been floating around like crazy. Um, but it's a book that looks at male intimacy and vulnerability. And mm-hmm. so in the book. I look at different um, same gender relationships, father, son, friends, male friendships. I look at um, male um, intimate relationships. So um, the homoerotic, the homosocial. Um, and the argument that I make or, or what I'm uh, pushing for in the book is, is this idea that male intimacy can be a vehicle for salvation or um, manhood can be a vehicle for, for salvation when men kind of open themselves up mm-hmm. to each other in, in intimate ways, both platonically, sexually, emotionally, spiritually, um, as well as just in, in kind of larger organic um, friendships and, and things of that, of that nature. And so it's a labor of love. Um, I'm a scholar that focuses in on on black manhood and masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it's pretty rich, I think. It's okay, so now for people who might say, you know, I'm not that's really not my thing, that's not my lifestyle. Should I pick up this book? What would you What would you say to them? Well, I mean, so I think that's the the first thing, right? Is that people think um, like this is a book about sexuality or orientation, and it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like my opening chapter has nothing to do with with, um, you know, same gender loving people or, or queer folk or, or black gay folk, it's looking at a father son relationship. And so mm-hmm. when you think about, um, young black boys who are struggling with relationships with their fathers or young black boys who grew up in households where their fathers never said, I love you, or never showed them the type of kind of tender investment that they, they may have quietly desired. Like this is a book, um, for you, um, if 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 you're a black man or a black woman or a person who appreciates seeing that kind of wonderful camaraderie between black men, like there's a chapter that's looking at black male friendships. Again, nothing sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this book, what this book is pushing for is for us to appreciate the complexity of black manhood. Right. So that we can start to see like black men can be strong and they can be 
um, you know, they can be productive or they can be laboring, but they can also be beautifully tender and vulnerable and sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, once we allow that space for Black men to, to really kind of authentically share that those sides of themselves, I mean, the relationships just become richer. They become fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, so the, to those people, I'll say, hey, don't don't think that this is a book, um, you know, about or solely about sexuality, because mm-hmm. it's not. It's about the power of a kind of complex Black manhood. It's about the power of sharing in community and sharing space. And, and, it's, and it's about, you know, the power of the, of the Black male body as well. Um, and so um, give it a shot. There's something in there for you. So, I, yeah, I waited. I wanted to get my get my copy from you so I can get it, you know, autographed. Oh, yeah, I got you. I got okay. you. So, because when, when, I, when I think about it, um, there's so many different layers uh, in there. You know, people tell you, you know, you, men don't cry, um, you know, suck it up. You know, you, which, you know, just, just the, you, the, the list goes on and on with feelings. And if you... If you're the type of individual, like I was the type of kid, it's like, you know, I was, I was active, you know, in terms of sports, I could play, you know, I could hang out, you had friends or whatever, but there's just some things that, that didn't interest me, um, growing up, you know what I mean? Like I never spent time with like playing video games because I didn't have a video game in the house. So some things, you know, I was like, you, you may be geared towards certain things and then you're not knowing like what, well, what's cool, what's not cool. You have questions and... And if those questions aren't getting answered, then you you you're kind of left out there wandering. So I think it's good to have, you know, so, some sort of like guidelines, some sort of like roadmap for someone to be able to point to and say, yeah, you know, this this is it's okay to be you know to be into a book or want to read, want to learn and develop. You know, that's like nah, that's square. You gotta there's a, there's a couple of paths that's this is cool, but this. Eh. You don't find out about it until maybe later on or somebody pulls your coattail. You had an individual. So who was this individual that said to you, you should uh, consider going down this path? You know, so so that's a that's a that's a really hard one. That's a hard question, because, again, I so I grew up, um, you know, largely poor and um, in the hood, like in the hood, hood, right? Not, you know, everybody claims to be from the hood, but like in the, you know, inner city, inner city Milwaukee. And so, you know, just to echo what you just said, like, you know, growing up, you know, the idea of being, you know, black and, and well-read in my community, like that wasn't necessarily celebrated. And it's definitely not something that, you know, my peers or my community was like, hey, now, you know, Luckily, I came from, you know, a wonderful household where my mother kind of stressed the importance of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and luckily I also took to it. Um, but, you know, growing up, I didn't, I didn't read a lot um, unless it was in school, you know, but I wasn't at home reading. We didn't have a personal library. Um, I didn't have a mentor growing up who was just like, hey, you know, this is what you need to do. And so it wasn't until... Um, you know, I graduated from from high school. Um, again, you know, I was I was good. I ended up staying um, local, right, and, and went to Marquette for for a year or so um, in Milwaukee. And while I was there, you know, I met you know I met um, you know a few folk, and we ended up going to a poetry slam. Mm. 
And so poet, I don't know if you know what a poetry slam is, but yeah. it's like repetitive spoken word poetry. And so I'm sitting in the audience uh, with a couple of my um, friends and I'm like, what the hell is this? Right. And largely because I'm seeing these, you know, like these dope ass black folk on stage mm-hmm. um, doing these amazing things with language. Um, and so after that, I went to a coffee shop. And, you know, all the little, you know, the incense were burning. I was like, okay, this is real hotepish. But, you know, I went to the coffee shop and one of the poets um, started off one of his poems with a quote. Um, and the quote ended up being from Ralph Ellison. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and I, you know, I looked up who the hell is this Ralph Ellison guy? Um, ended up getting the book Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. And since then, right, I read Invisible Man and I was just like, wow. Right. It opened up this whole world for me. Um, it was the first time that I read something that I felt like I could see myself in, where I felt like, oh, like that's that's my black boyhood. Right. Like that's the struggle I have with like being poor. And, you know, like I felt it. Um, and so that that set me on the on a kind of different trajectory. Mm-hmm. So, to speak. Mm. so do you write poems? You know, not as much lately because I'm an academic, but I did um, quite frequently. I was on the Milwaukee Poetry Slam um, team. I was on um, Boston Slam team. You know, so I was pretty, pretty active. But since I've been a full professor, a full time professor, I'd just say, um, you know, the the academic work kind of takes precedence. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't get I don't get credit for for the poetry. Um but it's still there, right? And it comes out in my other writing, or at least I like to imagine that it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. You could tell it's a tag. I've tried to imagine what your space must be like when you're sitting down and you're penning some of this stuff down, because some of it seems like it comes from a, a deep place. You know, it's like, it seems upset, like, but not like a mad, just like, I really mean this. This is, I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to envision, like, what is he doing while he's penning this out? So, yeah. What like is it like? like that Kermit the Frog game? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's it's good. I mean, and the the thing is, I experience a a range of emotions. So some days I'm I'm so full of joy that I need to share that. Um, obviously, you know, thinking about our national climate now, mm-hmm. um, usually my rage is is at my fingertips, and so um, rage is one of those things that. Um, if you don't let it out, it'll, it'll eat at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of me sharing is also about me doing self-care so that I won't hold it in, right? Because um, that's the other thing about particularly Black men, right, is that, you know, stress and high blood pressure. And so rage, you know, racism is a, is a public health concern, and, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not trying to die from it. So I got to let it let it out as best I can. Let it out on the page, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or the pavement too. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's a nice. That's a nice balance. Yeah, it's definitely a nice balance. So, where is the next? You, you've got another book on the on the horizon. So I do. So, so my next book is going to be this kind of crazy meditation on black male joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, because again, joy, joy is one of those things that, um we need more of um, in, in the world, particularly as it relates to black men. And so um, I'm exploring um, what does it look like mm-hmm. for a black men to pursue joy? Is joy 
um, a full possibility for Black men? Like, can we actually embody the fullness that is joy? Or does the but world... I, I've heard that term, and some, some people might hear it, like, just joy. What, what do you mean when, you, when you're saying joy, when it's, when it's out there and you see it trending? So yeah, what it, so... What does it mean? Yeah, so some years back, um, you know, as a kind of offshoot of, of, of the, the trending hashtag Black Girl Magic, you started to see Black Boy Joy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in that, um, it was like ways of kind of capturing these rare moments where you saw, you know, Black men and Black boys, um, like, full of happiness. Um, and so in the book, I'm going to make a clear distinction between... Um, what it means to be happy and what it means to be joyful. And so for me, happiness is this kind of um, fleeting um, or temporary experience of, of excitement or euphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, but joy is sustained, right? Like joy is something that has longevity. Joy is something that is more fully embodied. Um, in a sense, it's it's not just an experience, but it's, 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 um, you know, it's like, uh, again, the sustaining force of a life moment. Um, I've seen many men happy. <laughs> I haven't seen as many men joyful. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's, you know, largely, I think it's the world that we live in. Um, you know, the way in which black men are kind of, um, you know, tortured and traumatized and plagued by this world, um, the, the, the brutal reality of American racism. Um, but I also think it's like joy, and I'm going to make this argument in the book, like joy is one of those things that Black men are trained or reared or raised to believe that they shouldn't fully hold on to, mm. right? Um, you know, like, you know, I think about like popular culture, um, or, or like television. And when you think of the moments where you see black men happiest or like, and when I say happy, I mean like that overwhelming happiness is usually right. Like in sports, right. After, you know, uh, mm-hmm. championship victory, you know, um, like major significant moments. Um, uh, but on a day to day basis, right. Um, and I don't know you, um, your personal history or, or your relationship to like your father or your uncle. But, you know, I would always challenge people like think about the images you have of your fathers, your uncles, your brothers, and how many of them can you see them like, you know, mouth widely agape, bent over in complete laughter, just full. Like, can you see happiness beaming from their spirit? And, you know, most folk I talk to, they're like, no, you know, my father was very stern Right. He had a very, you know, serious phase. You know, he laughed, but he was never overcome with laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also think it's a part of us allowing black men the space to fully embrace and live in these pockets of happiness. And I just don't think we have. Yeah. And so I'm going to push for that. Mm. I remember this was uh, this, this in the church. At one point, and the sister had given me this book, and it was titled uh, "Men Have Feelings Too." Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm aware of that. Like, I, I was, I, I, I was always in tune with. Okay, this, I like this. I don't particularly care for that. I think you're bullying this person. You know, 
just because they don't have that, you should make fun of. That's the type of individual that I was, you know, I, I, I had feelings, you know what I mean? So hearing this book, like I, I've got to find it because I always refer back to this title um, because it was this, this, this was during the time when there was like a men's movement and then a, an undercurrent of, you know, you started having, and you know, you're talking about the church, Pentecostal church. And so you have this structure where it was, you know, women with the, with the head covering, the long yeah. dresses, black, you know, stockings, you know, women don't wear. So you're trying to find yourself or whatever. And I can't like, I just came from a different, a different place. Like the church that, that, that I went to with my parents where I had no choice but to go. Um, you, the women were, were, were silent. It was, there was no organ in the right. church. There was no piano or anything. It was, you know, it was very structured, very stern, you know, Western Indian culture. So there was this, there's this, but as a kid, you're told to be, you know, children are seen to be seen and not heard. So right. you're quiet. So if you're quiet, you're spending a lot of time watching. What is this sister doing? What is that brother doing? So I'm thinking this is the type of person that I was. So just, I wasn't, I wasn't a male chauvinist. So the idea that, you know, men have feelings, it's like, yeah, I'm aware of this. I want to find the book. But there's this thing of, of not knowing or questioning or just making assumptions about men and what we should do and how we should interact and what's cool and what's not cool and, and being, being black and in the church. And so you, you can see effeminate men in the church and then, but we're not talking about it. You know, everybody's going to hell if you don't, you know what I mean? So it's like, it became very, it's like, I don't know if this is the, is the right way to kind of do it. But I'm not the pastor, you know, you just, I'm just coming to church here, you know, but right. it just seems a little off to me because I know, you know, what's, but, but nobody's talking about it. Things are just kind of like assumed. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. Right. So when things don't make sense, I kind of ask questions. So I think it's good to be able to have your, um, you know, your book out, um, to be able to have a conversation. That's why, that's why I had approached you, um, remember down at the race, because, uh, I got questions. And so, because if I've got questions, I know other people maybe um, have the same questions or similar questions or want to know, like, why? Like, what's going on? How do we, how do we resolve this? Because it may not be, um, you know, you might feel like I'm a man, you know, whatever. And then, you know, you have children or you've got a nephew or, or niece or something, and now they're struggling with their sexuality and you just don't have the, the wherewithal to be able to communicate or what do I say to them? You know, what are, what are you, you're going to pray for? Them? I mean, what do you tell them? What do you say? You know, you get it, get that spirit cast out of you. Like, what do you tell a person? You know, what do you say? Yeah, so exactly. that's that, that's the Dwayne Wade moment, right? Right. Dwayne Wade said, you know, there was a moment where um, he was thinking about Zaya and he was looking in the mirror because he used to be the guy that, that made jokes about, you know, gay people or LGBTQ plus folk. And he asked himself, like, what come, you know, what, what will happen if, if Zaya came home and said, hey, you know, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm feel more connected to, to the idea of, 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 of being trans and wait, mm-hmm. at, like, how would you respond? And so he educated himself, right? Because, you know, love, love requires that. Mm-hmm. In ways in which 
um, you know, some folk don't don't realize it. And so, you know, I always, you know, I think I think what what Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union Wade are doing uh, with their family is such a such a beautiful thing. But I, what I really love about Dwayne Wade is, I mean, he's being very bold and very daring, but he's also giving you know, black straight men, a kind of template for mm-hmm. like, this is how you evolve as a man so that you can be more humane and more loving and more gentle with people that might turn out to be your children yeah, um, or your loved ones. And so, I mean, I definitely, I definitely hear you, you know, we as men, we inherit these scripts, mm-hmm. these traditions, these ways of being that we then have to, at some point decide how to to make them better, right? Yeah, uh, and so I'm I'm here to help. Yeah, that's, I, I think it's important um, because I, I could imagine that there there are people who may not feel uh, like they're part of a particular group. You know, you may not be. I might not be the jock. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm not the jock, then this whole section of of people I can't relate to. You know, I had someone tell me, um, he's from another country and he said, he, you know, he, he really wasn't into sports, but he started watching it because he needed to be able to, uh, to communicate with other people. Mm-hmm. And that just seemed like odd to me, but I guess you do what you have to do. It just seemed like, like if I don't like something, like I'm not going to engage in it just for the sake of, of making you happy because now I'm miserable. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me, but you know, I'm not, I, I wasn't judging him. I'm just thinking to myself, like for a while I didn't like macaroni and cheese. And it was partly because of how my mother prepared this macaroni and cheese, you know, Kraft Mac. It was adopted up. It was, it was awful. I just, <laughs> just like, ah. and I would have these conversations and everybody would tell you, well, you haven't tried my Mac and cheese, you mm-hmm. know, and so everybody tells you that I'm like, I've heard this. I don't like macaroni and cheese. I'm not giving an explanation. No, spare me the macaroni and cheese. Until one day I tried it and it was like, oh, this is not my mother's mac and cheese. This is this is this is actually pretty good. Yeah. Venturing out and trying something, trying something different, but I'm not gonna experiment with something that um, you know, just to to be able to say that I fit into a particular group. And so there are times when I'm like, okay, that's not my you feel um like isolated, you know, oh, because yeah. then if you're not part of that, this, this particular group, then, then, then where, where do you fit in? And so you got to find your own, you know, you find your own tribe, you find your own group or whatever. I don't know. Or just mm-hmm. feel good. Just being interacting, being able to interact with, with, uh, with different people. And exactly. I think, you know, that's, 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 that's where I'm at at this point, because I can't, I can't just, you can't fit into everyone's, everyone's uh everyone's group you know but they're they're definitely conversations um and interacting with people like yourself and just just from whether it's different cultures different races different or sexual orientation we we happen to share this planet so better know how to get along with each other yeah figure it out we got to do better right absolutely we we definitely do so i certainly appreciate you taking the time to be with us Thank you so very much for being on the show, Dr. Ernest Gibson. Uh, where can folks follow you online? Where can they order the book? Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm, I'm Ernest Gibson on on Facebook. I am 
underscore EG3 on Instagram, prof, mm-hmm. P-R-O-F underscore E-L-G three on, on, on Twitter. And so, you know, that's the social media, but yeah, you know, Google Ernest Gibbs. I hate when people say that. Right. But I find myself, you know, that's the easy way. Google Ernest me. Ernest Gibson the third. Yeah. I'm the There's third. There's another Ernest Gibson out there spelled with yeah. an A. And I was like, convict. I was like, wait yeah. a second. This is I not know, this guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Like, there, you're not supposed to be introducing that to the podcast. That's my other life. Right? Right. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, don't check that one out. That's his uh, that podcast show, his yeah. serial episode. Uh, but definitely, <laughs> certainly a uh, pleasure to have you on the, on the show, man. Thank you so very much. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing what's next. I'm going to place my order for, for the book, get my autographed copy from the third. Yeah, come are, on, come you, and get you, it. You, are you the, obviously the third, is this is this just the three after your name or there, there are three other Ernest Gibsons out there? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm um, named after my father and he's named after his father. And mm-hmm. so right, it trickles down. Um, I have a brother named Ernest Gibson as well. That gets kind of tricky, uh, but you know. And which number is he? Well, we won't get into those details, right? Because then you're gonna have me, you know, have me rereading my chapter on father-son relationships in my book, so I can get saved again. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't go there. I should have. But, um, I guess you have to get the details from from the book. Yeah, go get the book. Go get the book, and then we can have a conversation about it. All right. Thank you so very much, man. Enjoy. Uh, thank you so much, Oxley. All right, now later.